Hey everybody, welcome back to the SwiftTech Leading Business Podcast. Uh, today is July 6th and hopefully everybody had a safe and happy 4th of July weekend. Uh, my name is Eric, I'm one of the client success associates here at SwiftTech and Shane's here with us as well. Yeah, hey Eric, it's, it's good to be on with you. Happy 4th of July, hope your weekend was awesome. I'm excited to, to chat about this topic today. Yeah, our topic of discussion is everything's being disrupted. We're going to talk about disruption, but uh, through a different lens and uh, kind of just one of the things that we see happening there from our seat and try to find some ways to compare that to what consumers can expect to see and how that ties back into business. Yeah, there's a lot of cool uh, articles and topics that we're going to touch on today that, you know, relate to anybody and everybody, right? It's all, it's all out there in the news and has to do with the food industry and everything else. So I'm excited to see see where this goes. Yeah. Tell me about your weekend first before we dive in. Yeah, for sure. Um, my weekend was great. Uh, I maximized my on water time with our kayaks. So that was super awesome, which is even more of a benefit when you consider how much of a hassle it is to dig those things out of my garage and get them on top of the car. So it was nice to use all three days of this long weekend to go kayaking. Um, we went all over the place, so it was super fun to see some different lakes and rivers in the area, and and we had a good time with a small group of our immediate family for for a little celebration. How about you guys? How was your weekend? That's good. Uh, real quick before I, I get into it, I was curious, what type of wildlife did you see? Mostly birds. Yeah. Yeah, not a lot. Um, I mean, turtles too, I guess, on the lakes. Um, but nothing too exciting. Honestly, I saw, so I was at my parents for the fourth after we had kayaked all morning down the Milwaukee River um, for like three or four hours. And so we're just hanging out at their house and we went for a walk around their neighborhood and there's just random deer in people's yards around their neighborhood. So I saw, I saw more wildlife outside of the water than I did in. That's funny. Go figure. It's how it goes sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Our weekend was pretty low-key. I did a lot of grilling on the pellet grill, and uh, I cooked. I did some salmon fishing on Lake Michigan on Sunday morning, uh, dark and early, and we did good. I think we had like uh, six or seven fish landed in the boat, one 22-and-a-half-pound Silver King, which is a good-sized fish. Uh, we ended up cooking some of that up on the, on the grill. We did some blackened salmon, and it was delicious. So we have some leftover that we're going to do some fish tacos with tonight oh nice that's a good call i love how you're like oh yeah my weekend was chill i uh just like chartered a boat and went out fishing in the middle of lake <laughs> michigan no big deal that was the only real like big uh spurt of excitement otherwise lots of time outside and stuff like that so it was, it was good uh, low-key other than that but you know to dive in today um we wanted to just make this relatable because I think the consumer world is super fast. Like the, the, the business to consumer world is very fast. And us as consumers, we, you know, experience technology in such a positive way. But then in the business world, it's sometimes lagging behind, um, you know, for Maybe obvious the opposite, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we just wanted to talk about what we see there and, and try to relate it back to some of the things even SwiftTech is working on to address some of the disruption that you know might be in the future here. Um, and one of the first examples that we kind of called out was the media world or the media space and specifically the traditional media like um, watching TV versus some of the OTT over the top um, 
advertising. Sorry. I, no, you're good. I honestly, I don't know that I can recall the last time I like sat down and watched a regular, you know, TV show over the air with commercials in it. Like I, I literally cannot recall. It's been that long. Well, it's also in part maybe because there's no sports right now. Well, <laughs> yeah, that definitely tournament. has something to do. With it. But even even yeah. sports, I I stream on an app on my Apple TV rather than traditional antenna or cable provider. So yeah. even those like the commercials are different. They're shorter and kind of less they're targeted, right? They 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 yeah. really can more targeted. Here. They're they're very like location targeted, right? So I watch the Milwaukee Bucks on Fox Sports Wisconsin. And I get just all Wisconsin, just 100% like Midwest ads on there. But it's also, they're like just short and sweet snippets. And it's really easy to just like, unfortunately for the people who post those ads, I feel like it's really easy to like tune those out, you know, whereas opposed to traditional commercials where you're sitting there for three, three and a half minutes of nonsense. And the only time you ever get a good commercial is the Super Bowl. So, right, right. It's crazy though. The NFL still might be okay for, you know, September. We'll see. Um, but you're absolutely right in that. I don't, I mean, there's two screens in our house or two. I mean, so we have, you know, two TVs and then, uh, you know, my wife and I each have a phone and we're not watching the TV. In fact, the only thing I really like, what I like most about the TV now that is a smart TV is I actually watch the YouTube app on there a lot for a lot of the content that I consume there. So I'm using the TV, but it's a glorified cell phone in that in that case. Um, right. And if you think of the traditional like advertising concept, man, I like a regular old commercial is not how I decide how to buy something. You know, nowadays it's social media and the newer advertisements and stuff like that or watching YouTube clips of things and reviews and stuff. So it's crazy how much it's shifted. And to think that like the advertising business is still, I'm sure, billions of dollars strong as far as like traditional TV ads go is unreal to me when you think about the other avenues that people have to advertise and, and how people consume content. Yeah, those it's dollars crazy. have started to shift, but they haven't given full way to. Um, and there's some things in recent events that it's very interesting to see what's going on where people are pulling spend on some of those platforms. Um, However, the the real interesting thing, the one or the the important piece I wanted to call out was this whole concept of like subscribing to cable TV where you get, you know, a couple hundred channels and or packages. And I just want to watch like ESPN for football and maybe HBO for like one of the shows that's good at the time, like Game of Thrones or what have you. I don't want the other 199 channels that I'm not going to care about or watch or maybe I just want to consume the news. And it seems like that model is being flipped on its head quite a bit because of what OTT over the top has done, where you can just go right to the source now. HBO has its own app. ESPN has its own app. I don't need to have a cable package to consume the content that I want. Right. I mean, yeah, it's even look at how successful Disney Plus is, right? And that's not even a year old. (laughs) Eight months ago, they launched Disney Plus. I mean, obviously, we're in the middle of a pandemic, and so... It's a bit of a unique situation, but they like Disney didn't see that coming, right? They still just launched Disney Plus and put billions of their dollars into this streaming platform to rival Netflix and Hulu and you know anyone else that's out there right now in that space. And 
they're all just raking in money. Everyone's signing up for those services. And it's because, yeah, to your point, you get the one or two things that you want or this huge batch of, you know, old movies that you can go back and look at and watch for what, like eight, nine, ten, eleven dollars a month? Plus compared to what's the typical cable package, you know, 40? I don't even want to know. No, that, I think that's absurdly low. I think if, if you're using cable, <laughs> They're gonna sucker you in to an internet phone and cable package for God forbid like, you don't have a package. minimum of one twenty, I think, these days. Which is nuts. And they have a phone. You don't I think use. it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. So there's still a number of people that, you know, live that way and, and that's fine. But I just think the trend is gonna continue to dismantle some of that as we go more okay. to like an on demand model than a packaged deal right. of some sort. I would say, so my parents are a good example of this. They're like very not tech savvy. What is that called? Like a laggard in the- Yeah, I think so. Uh, in adopting technology. Um, they, my dad a little bit more because he, he's employed still. He works for a, a big company. So he's he's got his own computer for work and all that stuff and he does email and everything. But my mom, gosh, she just recently got like Gmail and stuff like that. And they're still the type of people that are using cable TV, right? They still buy cable TV. And now my mom is kind of hooked into Hulu a little bit. My sister got her like turned on to a show that was only on Hulu. And so they subscribed to Hulu. And now my mom is starting to see it like, oh, why, why am I paying a fortune for this stupid cable package when I just like watching the stuff that's on Hulu? Yeah. Yeah, so the days of channel crazy. surfing are, are maybe uh, finally behind us. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I don't know, so that's just something, you know, these are just consideration points and fascinating topics that are going to lead us to where we're going with this whole conversation. But even if we look at the automotive industry, which is some of the, the other bullet points we have here, um, you know, the, the traditional gasoline engine if we look in and we talk about disruption, what are the next 10 to 20 years or maybe five to 15? What does that look like? It's going to completely and radically change. This topic is so sad because I love cars and, and motorcycles and internal combustion engines in general to tinker with and putz with. But yeah, it's so true, right? Like that just last week now, all of a sudden Tesla is valued at more than Toyota. It's like, that feels like it was Using five minutes. Action of the vehicles too. Yeah, it's crazy. So so. It goes to show what the potential of that industry looks like compared to the one that's flourishing, you know, present day still. And the number of startups around that Tesla is the leader. I think they quite literally, you know, when we think about business building roads, not cars, and if we're talking about automotive, that is not a pun. I just, uh, it's a way of thinking. However, Tesla has built, you know, the charging stations strategically around their model. And it's not just that you're getting a car that's non-gasoline, it's a smart vehicle that's right. tapping into an entire fleet of vehicles that's feeding data back to a, a data lake. And then they're putting AI on that. And there, there's a lot of data learnings that are going back into improving the transportation and the vehicle itself, as well as the charging stations. It's pretty incredible um, how masterful that has just continued to come together. Yeah, yeah, my favorite part of that whole concept is think about, so when when was Tesla founded? I don't know, probably like 10 or so-ish years ago. Yeah. Probably, a little, probably a little bit more than that, but they kind of started, people started to know what Tesla was, you know, five, 10 years ago. 
And at that point, I, I distinctly recall a lot of the large car manufacturers like GM, Ford, you know, the big guys in the space saying like, oh, you know, that's nonsense, like electric cars, whatever, Tesla, whatever, it's fine. We're just going to, you know, keep chugging along here in our in our comfy gas vehicles and making millions and billions of dollars. And now all of a sudden, fast forward and GM and Ford and other car companies are dumping boatloads of money into trying to figure out how to catch Tesla and how to make electric vehicles. And like you said, smarter vehicles with all the all the bells and whistles and the AI and everything. So it's crazy to watch them. They, they did a complete 180, right? They're like, oh, that's stupid to, oh, uh, we're going to go out of business if we don't spend all of our money on this. Yep, they, they will. The supply chains are going to have havoc wreaked on them too. Like all the companies that are in that ecosystem uh, or that supply chain of like producing a part for a gasoline engine, it's all going to change pretty rapidly in retrospect. I mean, even the adoption of the automobile itself didn't take very long and that was a long time ago. So right. it's fascinating. You know, what's really interesting is there's a there's a page from history here that um, you know, electric cars are not new. They were actually the first type of car that ever emerged back when cars were invented. But the technology for the battery just wasn't there. And um, you know, Tesla was someone that was trying to, to work on that. And then Henry Ford, you know, kind of revolutionized the production process of these vehicles. And um, it, it just changed from to, to gasoline. And so now we're kind of coming full circle and going back to where we started with this whole thing now that the te technology is finally caught up. Yeah, that's that's some fun history right there. By the way, I did just look it up because I felt bad not knowing Good. when it was founded and all the numbers. So Tesla was founded in 2003, but they didn't release their first car until 2008. So I wasn't too far off. Yeah, that's funny because I referenced 2007, right? And thinking about their first car. That's cool. Yeah, so, and just to, to think about that, though, the disruption of that space and how much the the data that's going to be aggravated from the fleet of vehicles um, through like a 5G network or whatever it's going to end up becoming, it changes the driving experience drastically. I mean, and that's, that's kind of a common theme that you're seeing in general these days as far as technology goes, right? It's this concept of being able to use the information and data that people, individual consumers provide you to then make your service better and more awesome, right? Like Netflix does that, right? With their um, matching process and all that stuff, right? They use user input of data on what other people like you watch and all this sort of stuff. So it's not just cars, right? It's media, it's it's everything that's kind of starting to go there. I mean, your, your cell phone, right? Google Maps, that's what Google search is predicated on, right? Like the general principle of serving advertisements to certain audiences and stuff like that. So. That's not new, but it's cool that we're finally starting to see it in everything, right? Even your, like, cars are kind of a weird thing for that, right? You don't really think of your car as being connected to anything because it can literally drive anywhere. But now it is, right? Like with Tesla and some of these newer models and stuff. So it's really exciting to see that that technology is kind of finally going to start ripping apart some of these industries. When it compounds the... the um time frame i think or it definitely accelerates things mm -hmm. so like what took us forever to get here isn't going to take us very long to get to the next you know um benchmark in this process of things it's just going to keep speeding up and so the rate of change is increasing because of the data that we're collecting to help inform the next decision we're making it's getting better and faster and better and faster and better and faster so 
Um, you know, the, the one industry that I think I'm excited to see what's going to happen here is the food industry. And yeah, that's you talk about being in a pandemic and uh, it's changing things. This pandemic is really uh, forcing a lot of behaviors that may have already been kind of slightly emerging and kind of there or slowly getting to where they want to go. And it's accelerated a lot of things that may have already been kind of there to begin with, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I think that's super true for the food industry. You know, and these are things I think that we're going to take, you know, years, if not decades to change, right? The change people's habits and stuff. And now here we are stuck in the midst of a pandemic where you're, you're not allowed to go to a restaurant. You're not allowed to dine out, you know, that sort of stuff. You don't want to go places cause you don't, you don't want the coronavirus. And so, uh, it's crazy to see how, you know, just in a couple of months, the grocery shopping industry has shifted so much online and then, you know, with takeout and apps and, delivery for food like all that stuff has just kind of seen major growth because of the necessity right now but it's going to be cool to see what long-term effects that has on the industry yeah i wonder if we start to apply some of these principles of like i don't want to pay for all of this stuff i only want what i want when i want it uh and then the data collection side of things so there's a couple paths that i you know kind of see taking place um you know one of them is so when we were we went salmon fishing right on lake michigan yesterday morning and so we were up very very early i think i woke up at 3 a.m to get down there you know by 4 30 to be ready to go and you spend this whole time it was five hours on the boat and then you get back and you know you lug your cooler back to your car and at this point it's probably 10 a.m so uh, no breakfast in this span of time just some coffee and water and so traditionally i think what no. we wanted to do is stop and get lunch at a nice restaurant down there oh right and you can't right now and we couldn't really do that so um then we just drove all the way back home uh to the lake country area like a 40 minute drive and then we were like well let's get some food from somewhere and then you start to look at your options like what restaurants can deliver what comes you know prepared well but some restaurants are better than others like maybe some put in styrofoam there's condensation so all my fries are soggy or what have you right but um yeah. you know i see a world where there's just one giant building full of all sorts of different types of cuisines and eth ethnic types of foods and there's a single brand that i go to an app and i pick whatever food i want and then it comes from there and it's optimized for delivery made for delivery um so the way that i get that food isn't going to be soggy fries it's gonna be what i want without even to pick all of these different branches or maybe those branches are all under that one roof anyways the different brands so maybe i can get a chilies from whatever this thing could be called so that's one way i see that going where that industry can completely change yeah and i think you kind of see fabric of that already in that industry right when you consider like the concept of a food truck right they kind of threw out the dine-in experience and we're like screw it we have we literally have a kitchen on wheels we'll come to you we'll make delicious food and it's just in you know some random park or at a brewery or whatever so you can do you rather than have to sit in our restaurant that we don't want to have to pay for anyway right so that's part of it and then on top of that there are some i don't know what you want to call it but like kind of food court concepts already in existence to your point right where you have just kind of one spot for multiple different cuisines 
Um, food court is a terrible word for it. Food hall is the hall, but, but I'm thinking like a food hall where it's all app-based and no one, it's not yeah, designed for right. a sit-down. No, like if it was literally only designed to be ordered and, and delivered. I think I, that's, that's the next step, right? They went, they were already there with the food hall concept where you have a bunch of different cuisines and you can come in and they don't have one single restaurant. It's a big open space or you can go outside and dine, you know, and they don't have to deal with their own restaurant and stuff. I think what you're talking about is kind of the next logical step in that. And now with having the pandemic where you can't even really dine in or don't want to dine in anyway. Yeah. Why? Okay. Why would we be making a service with tables and, in a restaurant space for you to come dine if no one wants that. Of course, they're going to kind of shift that gear and and switch to making food to be better for dining out. Yeah, that's the only that's the only way restaurants are going to survive this, right? So they have to. If you, if you have a poor experience, like you said, you go somewhere right now to do dine out, and the food tastes like garbage by the time you get home because it was wrapped in styrofoam and now your fries are soggy. Like you're not going to go back to that restaurant. No, no. And that that leads us to like the next kind of logical thing is like the grocery stores, which you mentioned, have really changed. Like the online ordering capabilities have been um, significantly improved. And that's been upticking like crazy. If we look at some of the articles that we captured. Um, But then like what about the smart kitchen? And again, this data feedback loop. So if it's the other example, like the restaurants under one roof, um, now we can look at the data of all the orders coming in, dissect that, slice it up and determine what do people really want and continue to improve that. Um, if there's a smart kitchen, maybe my refrigerator just automatically orders new milk when it sees that the gallon is at a quarter of a gallon and it just shows up as part of my automated monthly delivery service that I don't have to touch. You know, that's coming. Like it absolutely has to. It's already there in some cases, like these smart refrigerators that already exist. And then you have Amazon on top of that with like their grocery list. I don't yeah, want to say that's 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 a speaker in this house. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to order some more milk or something. <laughs> um, but we're just getting to a very exciting time. Now, that's all consumer stuff, though. So what about businesses? And, you know, what does all this fancy technology mean? Like for a lot of the companies that do B2B for manufacturing, et cetera, um, you know, I think a lot about like how how Switech supports a lot of these businesses throughout the, the Midwest. And um then we started to talk about like, well, what about what does disruption look like for us? And, you know, the exciting thing that you had called out, Shane, is that look, technology is the underlying factor of all of this. All of this change is driven by more technology capabilities. And we have a team of people that that's their life. That's their career is to make this technology work for people in exciting and new and emerging ways. Um, so if we go back to the cable example, the, the OTT versus like, traditional cable, uh, maybe someone doesn't want every single thing that we offer for one price. Maybe they want to chop that up. And those are some of the requests that we've been seeing come through from businesses mm-hmm. that I believe is really driven by the consumer world. Um, and you're part of the client engagement team where we've been trying to create offerings to um, align with that need and demand on the customer side. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's all kinds of them and I can touch on a few of them, but I think really the important thing that people need to know and people need to hear right now is like, if you're a business, you know, small business, large business, whatever, you gotta be focusing on using technology to bring that new exciting solution to your customers, to the consumers, right? Because 
you're we're only hearing about those companies that are doing that right we just rattled off a huge list of companies tesla netflix hulu amazon all these other big companies out there like that's those companies are investing crazy crazy dollars in technology because they know that the quicker they get there the quicker they bring that cool new awesome exciting technology to their consumers while they can also then mine that data right it's a two it's a double-edged sword now not only is the consumer happy but the company is getting smarter and figuring out more and more ways to draw more revenue so yep. like that i think that needs to be said like if, if you don't care about technology start caring about technology because well, yeah, it's it's in everything there's two sides of the coin. There's the front office and the back office. So you can do new, exciting, emerging, brand new things on the front side of the office to meet those customers where they are and how they're spending time and money and do things that can delight them and improve their experience with your services. And even if that's other business to business customers, you can still improve how you're interacting with yeah, them. Yeah, same concept, yeah. It could be you know, transforming how you're doing electronic data interchange or EDI and optimizing that process by doing something through a web app um, and then what is that data going to tell you versus even on the back office, what can you do to optimize things and um, reduce IT costs so you can have more money to spend on other things in your organization? And th there's no shortage of ideas or concepts. Some of these things have already been done and are tried and true, but there's other things that are so exciting and fast paced moving that we have our finger on the pulse for and are helping a lot of clients light things up that you know, we wouldn't have gotten there without working through that with some of these folks and some of these exciting new yeah. projects that we've been involved in. And but I the think cloud is the big one, right? Like shifting to the cloud and having the benefits of what that brings to the table is probably one of the biggest changes still. Like digital transformation, albeit a buzzword, is still happening um, in droves. Yeah, for sure. And I think you, you know, you touched on front end versus back end tech in a business. I think it's important though, those kind of go hand in hand, right? The more and more you improve the backend technology, whether that's moving your servers to the cloud or switching to, um, you know, Microsoft Office 365 or G Suite for, for your mail and files environment, like those types of moves on the backend are gonna make your team that much more productive and functional. Um, and in turn, they're gonna spit out better and more useful things for your consumer. I, yeah, definitely a higher output. You can move faster. You can, you, you're having a lot of that work. It's just done now. Like having to log into a VPN to get into a shared drive. Uh, if you're in Office 365 and you're leveraging Teams or SharePoint for your data, you can just do it. You don't have to do that step. It's right. one extra, I mean, it's a really tiny thing, but multiple times throughout the day to keep that secure and up and running and hit that and go through all the, the file trees. You can just do a quick search query in Teams and get to exactly where you're going in two seconds. And you can even shorten it even more by doing a voice command search. Um, right. I don't have to type anything. And now I'm moving really fast. And I'm, oh, I'm, by the way, I'm all doing this on my mobile device, right? In some cases, it's impressive. Yeah, it's super exciting to see that stuff. So I don't I miss anything here. Do we have any other final thoughts that we want to cover? I mean, SwickTech is really, uh, I believe we're, we're very advanced uh, in so far as like our security posture and being able to deliver these things without sacrificing security, uh, especially given with some of the topics we've talked about with cybersecurity. But, you know, we we get excited about this kind of stuff and our ability to serve this up um, and align with like an agreement or an offering is we try to fit and meet people where they are and fit their needs. So we're not giving you stuff that you don't need. 
Yeah, which is huge, right? So hopefully that helps alleviate some of that stress around the technology so we can make it easier for you to move faster and, and meet your consumers with new and exciting technology. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody, today. We appreciate you taking time out of your busy set schedule to uh, to tune in. Yeah, thanks, Eric. Um, this was super fun. I, yeah, we're definitely just scratching the surface with a lot of this tech stuff, so I'm excited to see where it all goes down the road. It'll be fun to play this back in 10 years and see how right we were. <laughs> or wrong. And wrong, yeah. <laughs> all, right. all right, cool.